You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. All right, you guys go ahead and take a load off. And as uh, some of you I know perhaps are new with us this week, we've been in a series, like Gideon said, about spiritual warfare, kind of an interesting topic. And so, you know, if your kids get scared, you might want to take them to Kid City because I'll be talking about some fairly crazy stuff. But we see the spiritual warfare in some of the different realms of culture in the realm of entertainment. And so how many of you have heard of an entertainer known as The Weeknd? I mean, some of you have heard of him, right? Because he's like number one in Spotify right now. And The Weeknd has been accused of flashing the word Satan at his Copenhagen concert on screen. Now, he was accused of doing that at the Super Bowl also, but... Um, You know, fact checkers found that he did not do it at the Super Bowl, but he's accused of it in other settings. And then there's Katy Perry, who says, I don't stay single for long. I carry a lot of rose quartz, which attracts the male. And so basically, uh, 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 Katy Perry is using like a pagan form of, uh, you know, uh, counterfeit spirituality in order to attract men, according to her. And then there's, of course, Travis Scott, who had all kinds of occult symbols and, you know, what's called the portal of hell on his stage at his concert, Astral World in Houston, where concert goers were trampled, you know, during that concert that you perhaps saw on the news. And um, look, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're throwing stones at all these entertainers and stuff. You know, we love everyone around here. We're praying for people if they're struggling spiritually and stuff. And I don't know if all these entertainers are really like into devil worship or if they're just doing this for clicks and, you know, uh, attention and stuff like that. But what I do know is, is that 10 people got killed at the Travis Scott concert in Houston. And I do know that the Bible teaches us that the thief comes to steal kill and destroy. And that's precisely what's happening in some of these environments. Look, and you know, it's not just true in the world of entertainment. It's also true in the world of foreign affairs. And so if you look at the KGB from Russia, they're trained in something called disinformation or it's disinformation where they go around the world to different countries and they just deposit these little half-truths or spin, as we'd like to call it, um, or disinformation in order to get people at odds with each other and divided from each other. You can look at a video of Yuri Bezmenov who came out of the KGB, defected here, and he'll talk about the four stages of ideological subversion where they bring that deception or spin to other countries. And it's happening here in the United States as well. If you go to Houston a few years Years ago, there was a Facebook group called Stop Islamification of Texas. That's one group. And they had a meeting or a rally at a specific place at a specific time in Houston. Another group was called Save Islamic Knowledge. And guess what? Their rally was scheduled for the same exact time as the other group that was anti-Islam. And they had conflict and fights. And what was found out was those Facebook ads were created. They traced it back to computers in St. Petersburg, Russia, where KGB operatives were placing $200 worth of Facebook ads to get a bunch of Americans in Texas to go at each other at the same time. It's happening all over the world. Now, of course, 
We have lots of misinformation out there in our world. There are people that believe that the moon landing was actually on Iceland and it was a hoax. There are people believe that, you know, even though we can observe through our telescopes that all the other planets in our solar system are actually round, that our Earth happens to be flat, according to some. Some people believe that the royal family are lizard people. I mean, maybe that one's true. I don't know. But um, lizard people um, are out there, I'm sure, somewhere. I've seen them. But this is how the devil works in misinformation and half-truths and what I'll call spiritual fake news. And many modern people laugh at the concept of a literal devil, like it's Thor's hammer or the Easter bunny, right? But can we all agree that our world in a lot of regards is not thriving these days? And so as much as we'd like to blame everything on either the liberals or the conservatives or Antifa or the Proud Boys, we all have to look into our own souls at our propensities to potentially be deceived by the misinformation that's out there. And we have to explore the real possibility that there could be a real and literal evil spirit, the devil and demons that deposit these lies into people throughout our culture. Now, the Bible describes three sources of deception, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me break down each one, starting with the devil. The devil, Satan starts with his spin, depositing believable half-truths, misinformation, and lies into the world, and then it affects our flesh. If you're a Christ-following person, you still have the old nature, the old way of living and thinking, and because of our flesh, we have a weakness toward Satan's spin. And then there's the world, which is in the Bible, it's like the old carnal world or the distorted society. Enough people believe in Satan's lies that it creates institutions that perpetuates the lies and the spin throughout the rest of the society. And so um, those people who are in the spin zone, as I'm going to call it today, many of us have been in the spin zone haven't we, where we believe the lies about our identity as a person, and we believe the lies about the way we should live, and it led us into pain and dysfunction and sin that harmed not only our lives, but other people. But today, how many of you want to go with me to the no-spin zone? See, during the series, a lot of us have said, I've had it with the spin zone. I'm going to the no spin zone. And every day, a lot of us have committed ourselves to praying out loud a spiritual warfare prayer, eight weeks of warfare. And if you're just coming for the first time today, you'll find the QR codes up around the building, on the stage, on the doors. You can hit it with your phone. You can get the audio version of the um, spiritual warfare prayer. You can also get a digital version. You can print it. You can read it on your device, whatever, out loud. And it's a specific spiritual warfare prayer. What we're doing by that is we're getting our minds focused on Jesus, we're getting into the no-spin zone. Because look, there's the spin of Satan that's trying to divide and bring tension and misinformation between you and your spouse and your brothers and sisters at church and the people in your community and your company as your businesses, your, your schools and other places. That's the spin zone. But we're saying we're not having it anymore. No spin. 
spin zone. When you focus your mind and say, I'm not having it anymore, you create like a spiritual force field around yourself, see? And look, if you put the spiritual force field around yourself by saying no spin zone, get into the truth, be in unity with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and then it affects your life, it affects your home life, it affects your family, your businesses and your church. And if enough of us get into the no spin zone, can you imagine this orb of truth and love, grace, mercy, and unity that we can encounter here together today? Does anybody want to be a part of that? Yeah. So here's the one truth I want you to proclaim today for your life, your business, your school, your company, whatever, your church, no spin zone. When I point to you, I want you to say it out loud, loud and proud. If you're online, I want you to post those fire emojis and post it with an attitude, okay? Because here in the cameo, when we say it, we're gonna say it like we mean it. Okay, ready? Here we go. No spin zone. That was pretty solid. It was music to my ears. I wanna do it again just for fun because I'm having a good time today. Here we go, ready? No spin zone. Boom, shakalaka. I love it. Okay, so check it out. Don't clap too much because I've got a lot to talk about and I've got a short time to talk talk about it. And so I struggle with this topic of spiritual warfare because I don't want to be associated with people that blame the devil for everything. You know, you ever see that movie, The The Water Boy, Bobby Boucher's mom? She didn't want him to date. She's like, women are of the devil. You know, there are a lot of people like that. And so while on the one hand, we're not going to blame the devil for all our problems, On the other hand, we want to acknowledge that there's a real spiritual evil out there that affects things. And Jesus wanted to train his disciples in this type of spiritual warfare. So um, the story that we're going to study today, if you want to look it up on your phone app, Bible or whatever, is is going to be from Mark chapter 5 in the Bible. But let me just kind of tell you this story and hit the highlights, and then we'll go verse by verse and break it down and see what we can learn from it. Okay, so Jesus was with his little disciples. I say they're little. They were probably teenagers, very young guys, and he wanted to train them. And they lived, They were in this area of Jewish control, which was kind of the religious area, you know, the religious area that had a lot of like Christian bookstores and stuff like that, you know? And they lived next to this lake. It was known as the Sea of Galilee, but it's really more like a a kind of a big lake, might be five or six miles across. And so he takes those little religious guys into a boat, and they go across the lake to the other side, the other side, like the wrong side of the track, side of town, and there's this guy that meets them at the beach, because how many of you know, wherever Jesus is, wherever Jesus' light shines, the cockroaches are going to come out, and so Jesus is thinking to get a you know spiritual chancla out, smack that uh, cockroach uh, there in the spiritual realm, so this guy who was all naked and bloody you know, he, he, he'd been hanging around the tombs. He was filled with demons. He's like literally manifesting demons. It's like one of those crazy movies, you know, about exorcism. That's that guy, okay? He's got demons through him. And uh, Jesus, of course, cast the demons out of the dude and into a herd of pigs. And I've been to this area. The pigs ran down a steep hill into the water and they were gone. They drowned. And then the guy sitting there, in his right mind, sane, clothed again, good to go, because the power of Jesus helped him get into the what? No spin zone. Perfect. Yeah. So now let's break it down. Let me show you a few things. Number one, the spin 
keeps you from those who need you. If you stay in, in the spin zone, it'll keep you from the people that need you, sometimes the people that need you the most. I call it the, the religious spirit that keeps you away from the people that need your influence. So look at Mark chapter five, verse one. It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. Now the other side was, like I said, the wrong side of the tracks or the wrong side of the lake. Um, it was an area that had several names. You know how San Antonio has several names? Like it's San Antonio, it's the River City, it's the Alamo City, you know, all kinds of names. Now it's gonna be the Wimby City, you know, we're super stoked about that. But anyways, this area that Jesus took his disciples to was known as the Ten Towns. It was known as the Decapolis. It was known as the land of the Gerasenes, the Gadarenes, and it was under Roman control. So the, the, the Jewish side was religious. The Roman side of the lake was kind of crazy. A lot of pagan religion and such. And this particular man that was demon-possessed he was unclean for a lot of reasons, according to a Jewish person, because first of all, he had unclean spirits, you know, demons, so that makes you kind of unclean. Then he was kind of bloody because the Bible says he cut himself and he had blood on him. He hung around the tombs. And so if you hang around tombs, you have blood on you to a Jewish person. If you got near that type of thing, you had to do what's called mikvah, which is like a ceremonial washing in kind of a spiritual bath, if you will. Plus, he lives in the Decapolis or the Ten Towns, which is considered considered unclean to religious Jewish people. But what does Jesus do? He intentionally gets in the boat and he goes to the other side. Because remember, the spin keeps you from those who need you. And can I tell you that when we started this church here back in the mid-2000s before the east side got gentrified a little bit, you know what the barrier was? This highway right outside the theater, Highway 37, was considered the wrong side of the town. Some of you know that. Some of you, when you were growing up, you were told, don't you go on the other side. Don't you go on that side um, of town. But the thing is, if Christ followers keep believing that, it keeps us from the people that need us. You follow me? And so uh, that's why I'm so grateful for so many of you. Some of you live down here. Some of you drive down here and you park around here. And sometimes when you're walking into church, uh, I know other church people wouldn't like to walk by, you know, someone on drugs or a homeless, step over a homeless person on their way into church. But we thrive on it and we love it because we know that's why God sent us here. See? And look, Christ followers, can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt the temptation to stay in the bubble? You know what I mean by the Christian bubble? Have you ever known those Christians that they go to church like five times a week? And then they go to a Christian gym to work out. They go to a Christian, you know, coffee shop to drink coffee, okay? Because then they go to even the Christian chicken place, you know, to get chicken, okay? So, uh, everything is Christian stuff. And it keeps you from those who need you. You follow me? Maybe Jesus doesn't always want us in the bubble, in our churchy territory, but he wants us to go to the other side 
And can I tell you this, that we said at the beginning of this series, and those of you that are new, one of the reasons we started this series because we saw like writings on our buildings, there were like satanic curses written on our buildings here at the church. And a lot of people would get scared off by that, but our people are excited by that because now we consider it a compliment that they know we're here in the spiritual realm. And they better fear because the chunklas are coming out to smack the cockroaches, right on anybody? And so, so look, that's, that's why we're here. Um, and the enemy doesn't get mad at all the churches that are just state of themselves. What they get mad about are the churches that go to the places where they're needed the most and welcome the people that need Jesus the most. All right? And that's what, what we are while we're here. So... Um, before I get off on that too much, let me go to number two for the sake of time. The spin gives you the wrong name. And some of you are going by the wrong name, Mark 5, 9. Then Jesus demanded, he's interrogating the demon, what's your name? The demon replied, my name is Legion because many of us are inside this man. Okay, I've been waiting to do that all week. It was fun for me. <laughs> but then... The evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There's something about a territory that demons like at a certain place. And so what's that name Legion all about? Well, it represents like many demons, and that's why the guy had a superhuman strength. Nobody could chain this guy down or control him. He'd just break the chains off. And I remember one of the first times I encountered a real, like, exorcism demon manifestation was in a teenage young lady who was manifesting demons, and I had the help of a young woman who was a volunteer in our ministry at that time, and a big guy who had been a former major college football player. He had been a lineman, played for Lou Holtz at the University of Minnesota back in the day. And he's a big guy. He'd also worked as a bouncer at bars. And when this young teenage girl, like little girl, manifests a demon, the, the demon causes the girl to kick my big football playing friend. And he told me after that, he said, Doug, I have been a bouncer at bars, played major college football, and I've never been kicked that hard in my life. You know, some crazy stuff happens like that. It's for real. It's legit. But another thing that that legion meant was it was Roman occupation. And so remember, the enemy controls much of the world and the institutions of oppression, See, and the Roman 10th Legion was the military complex of oppression in that area. It represented 6,831 troops, and the Decapolis area was controlled by the 10th Legion. Now, let me show you a banner that the 10th Legion would carry into battle, and tell me what animal is on that banner. The boar or the pig. Anything clicking for anyone about now? So Jesus, when he casts the demons into the pigs, he allows them to go there. He's challenging certain things. He says, I challenge Satan's spin that gave you the wrong name. Your name is not Legion. And then number two, he challenges the spin of the Roman military, the boar. He's like, you people think that the Roman military is the most powerful force around, but I'm in control of all forces. I'm more powerful than anything in the world, even 
the boar that keeps you under thumb. So go with me to Mark chapter five, verse 11, and you'll see what happens next. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, sent us into the pigs, the spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. Notice who's in complete control here. It's Jesus. It is not the demons or the boar. And the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. And to a Jewish mind, the ocean or the sea, as they thought of it, was the abyss or the entrance to the underworld, like hell, if you will. And the Jewish mind would remember back in their history to the Exodus from Egypt. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt. Remember the Prince of Egypt music uh, movie there? You know, so, you know, a little cartoon and all that kind of stuff. The Party in the Sea. Maybe you've seen the old Yul Brenner movie, you know, the Ten Commandments, where, you know, it's like Yul Brenner, the bald actor. Do you remember this guy? He's like, bring Moses and the Hebrew people to me. You know, but then uh, the, the ocean parts and the Jewish people walk through the parted sea and then the Egyptian army comes in behind them to catch them and the water comes down on the Egyptian army and they all drowned. And the Jewish people came up with this little song. It was kind of a taunting, trash-talking song and it was horse and rider thrown into the sea. And that's what they're thinking here. When the demons go out into the sea because God has more power in his pinky than all the world forces that are active today. And so I remember that, um, that Jesus wants to, to communicate something just more here. So he wants to challenge Satan's spin that gave you the wrong name. He challenges the oppressive powers. And number three, he says, I value people. I value people. You're like, well, where do you get that from this story? Well, let me show it to you. It's going to seem counterintuitive, but look at verse 17 of Mark chapter 5. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Why? That, that seems weird to me, doesn't it to you? Why would the crowd want Jesus to leave them alone after he just showed the power to help a guy that was like a menace in their community that everybody was afraid of? Jesus was there to help a guy that all their local therapists couldn't help, right? Um, Jesus did. So why would they want him to leave? Well, you got to remember these people, the way they made their living was through pig farming. And Jesus had just sent 2,000 of their economies into the sea to die. And I'll never forget hearing, you know, an African tribesman, a missionary was telling me about a wise African tribesman who gave commentary on this story because a lot of people on the African continent are in agrarian societies and cultures and, and communities where just like the people in the story, their money is tied up, their commerce is tied up in their farm animals. So this wise African tribesman said, ah, to Jesus, one man is more important than the whole economy, see? The whole local economy isn't as valuable as one man to Jesus. And would you receive that today that he sees you is more value, of more value than the, the economy of a whole region, see?
That's Jesus. And so look at what Jesus does for the man next in verse 15. It says, the crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons and he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And this is where Jesus says, hey, this legion is not your name. Your name is now perfectly sane. How would it feel to be perfectly sane? That's this guy now. And so Jesus changes his name. And some of you have heard those names your whole life. You've been told you're a loser. And then back in the day, you used to listen to that Beck song. You know, you're a loser, baby. I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? Remember that song? And so you're, you're, you're like all these reinforcements in your mind. I'm a loser. Because yeah. we're in the what? No spin zone. You're now a winner in Christ. Some of you have heard you're stupid. And then you get these report cards that would validate that name. No spin zone. You're not stupid. You're now wise in Christ. Some of you have heard you're ugly. No spin zone. You're beautiful in Christ. You're worthless. No spin zone. We're not having that. You're valuable in Christ. How many of you have heard, I'm just not enough. No matter what I do, I'm not enough. No spin zone. You're plenty. You're, you're valuable. You go from a poverty way of thinking to an abundance way of thinking. You go from rejected, no spin zone, to accepted by Jesus is that good news for anyone? Can you say no spin zone for me? No spin zone. Good. It's a good place to be. Now look at number three. The spin zone wants to keep you quiet and compliant. See, the enemy had this guy, this guy who had been demon possessed. He was of no threat. They just keep him quiet, keep him isolated and dominated. The reason that the enemy wanted to get so many of you isolated away from church, away from Christian friends, away from small group, tribe groups and such is so they can keep you quiet and compliant but, and, and wants you to be divided from brothers and sisters at church. Um, so what God wants to do is get the message out. Go with me to Mark five eighteen. After the man had been helped by Jesus, as Jesus was getting in the boat to leave, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell him everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And look, when you get into the no-spin zone, you proclaim the change. Now, I would have been thinking a little different than Jesus. I would have thought, Jesus, you should take the dude who used to be demon-possessed and take that show on the road, man. Take it out there to all the synagogues and churches and show everybody what you can do, you know, through that. And Jesus is like, no, because see, God's way is he loved to save households. And your family, your household knows who you are. And when they see the change, it makes an impact on them, doesn't it? Because they know. They changed your diapers, bro. They know about you and all the stuff that you've done. 
God always loved to save households. You look in the Old Testament and the, the world was gonna flood and God saved Noah and his household. If you go to the book of Acts, the Philippian jailer was about to take his own life and Jesus saved him and his household because that's the way God operates. And God is sending you to your household first and to those in your community. And when you tell your story, you gotta understand it's not so much your story, it's his story. He's the star of the story. We're just support, supporting actors and actresses in his grander, bigger story. In Revelation, we learned that the people, they would overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony or their stories. But you don't have a story if not for the blood of the lamb. And so he's gotta be the star of it. And the reason that we have these testimonies is because of his help. And can I show you something about this story? That two years later, after this demon-possessed guy got helped, two years later, Jesus decides to go back to that area. And guess what? He gets there, they, he and some disciples get out of the boat. And they're not greeted by a demonized guy anymore. They're greeted by a crowd of Jesus' followers now. What happened? That dude went and told his story to his family and everybody there. And a bunch of people came to faith in Jesus. And can I drill down on the story just a little bit more? According to church history, that area became largely Christian. So it went from the wrong side of the tracks to a largely Christian area. And it was the seat of Christian leadership called Susita is what it received this name as an area called Susita in the Ten Towns. And the seat of the bishop there, that Bishop of Susita, wrote, originally penned a document that later became our Nicene Creed. If you've been to Catholic church or any Protestant church, you've been influenced by the Nicene Creed about Jesus, see? And what Bible teacher Ray Vanderlund would explain is that the Nicene Creed was most likely originally created by this man who had been demon-possessed and got into the no-spin zone. So a guy who used to have demons continues to influence our view of Jesus today. Why? Because he got into the what? No-spin zone is what it is. And I wanna show you one modern story of this. Brittany De La Mora used to perform under a different stage name, and she performed in hundreds of adult films. She was actually featured in Maxim Magazine and on the Playboy Channel. Of course, I know none of you men in this church have ever watched that. But um, uh, all that happened, <laughs> got kind of quiet there, didn't it? <laughs> but all that was when she was in the spin zone. And then through the ministry of what's called Triple X Church, a ministry that helps people quit using porn and you know, out of the porn industry, she came to know Jesus and got in the no-spin zone. And her and her husband are ministering together now. Can I show you the spiritual warfare that she references in her testimonial? She says, I wanted out of the porn industry after a year, but I stayed for seven years because I believed the lies Satan constantly told me that I was too far gone for redemption and that no one would hire me, that I've made my bed and now I had to lie in it. She said, I started going to church. Yes, I was high on drugs, but I didn't let that stop me. I was so hungry for God that I found myself at church five days a week. 
She says, I also saw him every single morning. I got down on my knees to worship him, prayed and read the Bible. Fasting also became a part of my routine. By the end of January 2013, God set me free from my addiction to drugs. It was the first time in seven years of using that I did not get dope sick. God truly performed a miracle for me. And so, yeah, isn't that, isn't that awesome? And so Brittany, her husband, Rich, not only served as pastors at Triple X Church, but now they also serve as pastors on staff of their church to young adults at their church in California. And you know, part of the reason why that story is so meaningful to me is because back when I was a teenager, I was still in the spin zone and running from God. I knew he was real, but I was running from him. And uh, I even went to church sometimes. My parents would make me go to church sometimes. And here's the truth. I would go to church sometimes and I was still high. And look, God changed me. He got me out in the nose spin zone. And look, you may be at church today and you're still a little bit buzzed from last night. Some of you, I, I, there's probably some dude online right now that's checking this out. He's like, whoa, Pastor Doug. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, she said, it's okay, man. You're about to go into the no spin zone, see? And a lot of us, and so God got me free from that stuff. And now I'm pastoring here with you guys. A lot of you guys are yahoos like I was too. And here we are together where God's helping us to help others get out of the spin zone. And so I thought it would be appropriate for us to do a little declaring in prayer. How about that? And so let's bow our heads and pray. And I want you to say out loud, you know what you're going to say uh, on three. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. No spin zone. Yeah. And so we speak into the spiritual realm and air around us that this is a bona fide no spin zone for lies of the enemy. And some of you who are spiritual investigators, you thought you could never have love relationship with God. And now you can say no spin zone and you can right now in your own heart, just receive and just say, I choose to begin a love relationship with Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Welcome into my life. Others of you that are believers and unbelievers alike, you felt defeated in the past, but you can say no spin zone. I'm not defeated anymore. Some of you have felt like you're a child of evil. You've been told that. Others in your family have said, our family's just evil. No spin zone. I'm a child of God now. Some of you have been led to believe God doesn't even like you. It's like, oh, he has to love me because he's a nice guy. But you can say no spin zone because the Bible says in John 15, I'm Christ's friend. Jesus even likes you in addition to loving you. Some of you have felt like you're a worthless sinner. Well, no, no spin zone. I'm now a saint. Some of you in your marriages, you believe the spin. Oh, me and my spouse, we're just too different. I could never love this person and we're done. You can say no spin zone there because Jesus can even change your feelings and he can heal your marriage. Some of you have been told, I'm a pervert, no spin zone. You can say now I'm pure and I can step up to my identity as a pure man, a pure woman. 
Some of you have felt like you've been placed on the shelf, unable to be used by God. And the thoughts have been shot into your head. You know, my life makes no difference in this world. And no one would even notice if I was gone. No spin zone. I'm a world changer. And I'm going to share the good things that Jesus has done in my life. I think it'd be appropriate for us now to just be still for a minute and be quiet. And as you just sit quietly and allow thoughts to go through your head, if it's a discouraging thought, it's not from God. If it's a condemning thought, it's not from God. And so every time a discouraging thought comes through your head as we're sitting quietly, just in your own heart say, no spin zone. And only receive those thoughts that are encouraging, that are loving, because that's what God wants to speak to you now as we're sit quietly. As you're sitting there, just take a deep breath. Just inhale. Holy Spirit, we inhale you. And now exhale slowly. And exhale the lies of the spin zone. And as you exhale, I just want to point out that some of you have been made to feel like you're not good enough parents when you gave it your all. And I think he's telling you, no, you just wait. You love your kids and you did the best you know how. So let that weight lift off you. And someone else is feeling like you've not been good enough to your parents. You've not helped them enough as they're aging. And that's spin. It's not true. Because you know you've done everything you can to hold down your job and hold down your family and marriage at the same time trying to help your parents. There's someone that feels like, I just haven't made enough money. And it's not because I'm a materialist, but I've just not made enough to give to my family and such. And that's spin. God isn't putting that on you. 
just say in your heart, no spin zone. I'm gonna be faithful with what I've got right before me and do my best and know that God's gonna provide all we need. And right now, God is extracting the lies from the spin zone and he's replacing it with truth from his word about our identities and our acceptance by God. And you're being filled with peace. Someone's feeling so much peace, you might just fall asleep right here in church. But just receive the peace of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in and through Holy Spirit in our hearts today as we just get rid of all the spin and the mental clutter and the spiritual fake news to embrace your truth and your love. And we pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Is anybody thankful for the Lord and what he's given to us today? Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Yeah. So as we think about our offering today and our you know, worship through generosity, we invest resources here to invest in the next generation. Take a look at this video. My name is Irma de Jesus Curtis, and I've been serving in Kid City for eight years now. I love serving in Kid City because I love impacting the hearts of littles. I love being here because they make such a difference in my life. They fill me with joy. I learn from them just as much as I think they learn from me and God's word. It's hard for me not to get emotional. <laughs> I've learned to be here for them and know that I'm making a difference. And we hope that uh, other people will see that and know that when you come in here that you're making a difference in other people's lives that are the future of this world. So isn't that good? Yeah. So those of you that are investing here are investing in the lives of children at Kid City as well as City Youth students. And so we're just so grateful for your tithes and offerings that go to fund these ministries. And there are four ways that we take up our offering that will be on screen. So whether it's at the giving stations or, you know, online or through the mail, um, we just say we're grateful for it. And a uh, couple of things I've been asked to remind you about. One is that this Tuesday night, we have a worship service right here, just like this service, except for, you know, it's a lot of music and a little less teaching. I'm not bitter about that, but um, it's going to be a lot of music, and uh, it's going to be right here, Tuesday night at 7. That's called our Awaken service, so make sure and make your way downtown uh, for Awaken Tuesday night. Also, if you believed in Jesus, the next step is baptism, and we're having a baptism right here in the theater next Sunday. So you can get registered for that at citytribe.church. Just click on the events link and get registered for baptism there. Invite your friends and family to see you get baptized. And then Art Fest is happening on September the 15th. And we're going to have three bands here in the theater. Then we're going to have art vendors next door in the cafe, in the courtyard. And we're extending Art Fest to partner with the Aiden, our neighbors at the hotel next door. So they're going to have some artwork 
there. So make sure and come on down for that on the 15th of September. Now go ahead and stand up with me for our benediction. As, the, as you stand, the prayer leaders are going to make their way to the front because if you want prayer from anyone, um, our prayer leaders will be down here. So prayer leaders, don't mess around. Get down here. We're on time schedule, right? So uh, these are awesome people um, uh, that want to pray for you and that love you and will help you. And so dear brothers and sisters, if you, you go ahead and grab a hand next to you, if you would, um, and uh, try not to leave anybody out. If you want a boundary there, just say this if you don't want to. But anyways, uh, dear brothers and sisters, as you go from here, go in your new name, proclaiming the change that Jesus makes, stepping into the no spin zone and going to those that need you the most. You guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you next time. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.